BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to the Blonde Files podcast. I'm your host, Ariel Laurie, and I'm here to talk all things wellness. From how to achieve optimal health and well-being to the best beauty tips and everything in between, no topic is off limits. I know there's so much information out there, so I'm bringing on expert guests and sharing my own experiences to help you sift through all the wellness stuff without the BS. Enjoy the show. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Boy, do I have a good episode for you today. I feel like I haven't really had a conversation like this, at least not in a long time, not that I can remember. I'm talking to Sivan Ayla. I'm sure a lot of you are familiar with her. She is a digital content creator. She's been doing it for a long time, and she's also an entrepreneur. She's the founder of Lux Unfiltered and Tanlines. Lux Unfiltered, if it sounds familiar, it's probably because I talk about it all the time. It's my favorite self-tanner. I mix it with my moisturizer also from Lux Unfiltered and it's just this like constant gradual kind of glowy tan. I'm absolutely obsessed. I've been using it forever. So I was really excited to talk to her about how she transitioned from blogger, influencer to entrepreneur and brand owner. And I just found this conversation to be so refreshing because She talks about how she is kind of struggling to find her place in social media right now and struggling with what she wants to share and how she wants to share it and what her focus is. And we talk about like, what does social media want from us? I think a lot of people feel this way. And obviously it's not going anywhere, but it feels like a lot of people are caught up in this cycle of constantly having to create, constantly trying to grow. And I love that she said, She's really not focusing on numbers anymore and she's not focusing on growth anymore. And she's just sharing what she likes and what she wants to share, which I think is kind of the most sustainable way to be successful in social media now. But it's funny because she feels like her videos and reels and whatever don't do well. But from my point of view, I see her videos and I feel like they do really well and I really love her content. So we are definitely our harshest critics. We talk about all of that. We talk about entrepreneurship and longevity on social media and how she decided on a product and made that product stand out. And we talk about branding. So we talk about all of the business aspect of social media and product development and being an entrepreneur But we also talk about how having kids changed her approach to 
her social media career and entrepreneurship. She gets really honest about her morning routine. She has a survival mode morning routine, which I also found really refreshing. We talk about her skincare routine, beauty routine, tanning tips, of course. We get into boob jobs because she's getting her boobs done. She's been really open about deciding whether she was going to do fat transfer or implants. And we just kind of cover so many different areas in this episode. And I thought it was a really fun and like I said, really candid conversation. So with that, I hope you guys enjoy Sivan Ayla. Welcome, Sivan. Thank you for having me. Really excited to have you here. I've wanted to have you on for a while. Oh, I didn't know I've been using Lux Unfiltered for, I feel like, years. I talk about it all the time. Jumping right in. Jumping right in. (laughs) It's my favorite self-tanner. Not to like just... (laughs) I feel like I'm just jumping off by fangirling, but I love it because I mix it with my moisturizer every day or like a few days a week. And it just gives me like this gradual... Like light glow. glow. It doesn't get mm-hmm. all over my sheets and my clothes and everything. I love it's to like hear this. one of my holy grail products. It's so so flattering. Thank you. I'd tell you. Thank you. But you obviously wear a lot of hats. Yes. You have multiple companies. You started your blog in 2011, right? Mm-hmm. I so did. you've been doing this a long time. What do you consider yourself at this point? Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur or an influencer or both? I say a little bit of both. I like the term digital entrepreneur just because I feel like it embodies like a little bit of everything. It's also super vague. So typically I feel like I have to go into detail when people ask, but I still consider myself an influencer. I just feel like my priority lies more so with the brands and obviously my role as a mom. So I just change my identity daily based on what I need to do first. How long were you being just a content creator, not just a content creator, but how long were you focusing on that before you started your brands? I was doing it for good, I want to say five-ish, maybe even a little bit longer, five years. I was doing it exclusively and I loved it. I enjoyed it. I still do, but I feel like as I was getting older and obviously becoming a mom, everything kind of forced me to reevaluate what my priorities were, what my end game was. And I just didn't really see myself whoring myself out on Instagram when I was 50. So I wanted to create longevity in my career. And essentially, that's what sparked me to really like think and have this conversation with myself about how I was going to create the next thing for myself. But it did take me a long time, a long time of like using products, finding what I was passionate about, what I was good at, thinking of the branding and what would excite me every day. And so it wasn't an overnight thing at all. But it was, I'd say, a good five to seven years into blogging and influencing and all that before I really like had a clear idea of what I wanted to do. I feel like for a few years, the whoring yourself out on Instagram is fun because you can make yes. so much money uh-huh. and you're like, this is kind of easy. I mean, it's not easy to be constantly creative right. and constantly be creating content for other people. But compared to other things, you're like, this is great. I can make this 100%. much money. But then you kind of get to a point where it's like, okay, what am I doing here? Like, am I just a billboard? Like, am I a marketer? Right. You know, it starts to feel really impersonal. At least that's how it's been kind of for yes, me. Yes. And I feel like we're at this interesting time now where with TikTok and just the discoverability of that and how quickly people can gain followings, it's kind of changing the landscape a little bit. For sure. I think that's also a generational thing where 
not to talk shit on the younger generation, but they want instant gratification, Mm -hmm. which shows in the way that they entertain themselves online. But it's like they want to go overnight. They want the success overnight, the money overnight, the fame overnight. And I feel like for me personally, like I didn't go into any of this thinking I was going to get famous, rich, and nothing. Like it was just purely a hobby. And I feel like when people always ask me, like, what is the key to my success for my blog specifically, I would always say... I didn't do it for any of those things. I did it purely because it was a passion. It was fun. It was a creative outlet. And I feel like that's what fueled it and kept it going and allowed me to get to this point. But mm-hmm. I feel like if you go into it with for the wrong reasons, it's probably going to be more short-lived. And I don't really see how you can sustain that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know if it's just my algorithm on TikTok, but I feel like my entire For You page when I do go on it is how to grow on TikTok and people being like, (laughs) I am quitting my nine to five because I'm posting five times a day and I got a hundred thousand followers. And it's like, great, but who are you? And like, what do you have to offer? And what's your end game? Like you said. Exactly. Exactly. And even for the people who blow up so fast and have overnight Mm -hmm. super fame, it's like, well, what do you do with that? That I don't know. And I'm also just confused in general, like what (laughs) social media wants from us. I feel like I'm so adaptable and I like to evolve with it. And anytime there's an update or a change, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get on board because if you don't, you get left behind. And so I did the same thing with reels. I was like, what is this? I'm too old for this. All that nonsense. Two years later, here we are. And I feel like reels almost come more naturally to me than taking a picture these days, which Mm -hmm. is weird. But I don't know. Like, I'm not going viral. I'm not like funny like that. I'm not an actress. Like, I just don't get it. It's just not for me. So I feel like I'm just sticking to what I know, what I'm good at, what it feels right to me. I don't want to force it. So I'm not really looking to grow. That's not like my focus anymore. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. Who knows? Maybe my career as an influencer is coming to an end. (laughs) (laughs) See, I look at your content and I think it's great because it's so like real. It's you you. and it's your life. And I feel like your reels and your videos do really well. But I don't know. I guess to everybody it's it's kind of relative. But I think it was JC Marie. Do you know what we said? podcast? She did a TikTok and she was like, we're getting desensitized to numbers. Like people are saying, oh, yeah. my video flopped because only 20,000 people saw it. And it's like 20,000 people. A lot of people. It's like an arena. Like right, that's so right. many people. But it's like, oh, nobody saw. That's so true. That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess you do kind of get stuck on the number. But mm-hmm. I think that there was a point in time where I was growing so consistently that I felt like that was my gauge of how mm-hmm. if I was doing well and Obviously, that's not a true indicator. There's so many ways to measure success. And I feel like that was in my head just it because of social media. Mm -hmm. But now I feel like I'm less focused on that. And I'm more focused on just creating valuable content and what feels right to me and what truly represents my life now, Mm -hmm. which is different than what it was 10 years ago when I started. So I feel like there's a weird shift going on in my life right now where I'm like, I don't know where I fit in here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I get that. I totally feel that. And I'm like, well, should I focus on TikTok, even though I feel like it's such a time suck and it doesn't come that naturally to me or should I focus on Instagram my thing my ultimate thing right now is the podcast obviously but to not be on TikTok and to not be growing on Instagram is not really like an option right you know right it all like works together yes exactly For the last few months, I have been making a real concerted effort to cook all of our meals at home as opposed to going out all the time or ordering in. And 
I absolutely love it. I feel so much better. I love having that time at the end of the day to do something kind of like mindful where I'm present in the moment and not on my phone. And I think home cooked meals just hit different. But when it comes to buying my meats, my seafood, it's kind of annoying because I get my seafood from the farmer's market on Sunday, usually if I can make it. I get my meat from the butcher. And then if I'm getting something like my chicken thighs, I go to the grocery store usually. But then I'm like, is this humanely raised? Is it antibiotic free? The struggle is real. And I know that you guys feel me. So this is where ButcherBox comes in. ButcherBox takes the guesswork out of finding high quality meat and seafood that you can trust. They have 100% grass fed beef, organic chicken, pork raised crate free and wild caught seafood. It's all humanely raised and there's no antibiotics or added hormones. You can get exactly what you want delivered right to your doorstep so you're not running around to the farmer's market, the butcher, and the grocery store. And there's also free shipping for the continental U.S., You can choose from a variety of box plan options from curated to customized and change your plan whenever you want. And it's just such good value. You can enjoy a range of high quality cuts that are really hard to come by at the grocery store at such a good price. You get exclusive member deals so you can save really big on your favorite cuts. And they also have recipe inspiration, guides, tips, and even some personalized hacks so you can cook up mouth-watering meals. ButcherBox is offering my listeners one of their best deals yet. You can get 100% grass-fed chuck roast and a whole organic chicken free when you join, plus an additional $20 off your first box. Sign up today at butcherbox.com blonde and use the code blonde to get a 100% grass-fed chuck roast and a whole chicken free in your first box plus $20 off. Again, that's butcherbox.com blonde and use the code blonde to get this special deal. With spring upon us, I feel like so many of us are probably thinking about spring cleaning, maybe reorganizing our space or doing a little bit of a refresh when it comes to our homes. And there is no easier way to do this than with Article. So Article's team of designers are all about finding the perfect balance between style, quality, and price. They're dedicated to thoughtful craftsmanship that stands the test of time and looks good doing it. Article offers fast, affordable shipping across the U.S. and Canada. Plus, they won't leave you waiting around. You pick the delivery time and they will send you updates every step of the way. So I have a few pieces from Article. I have the Ivory Gabriola Boucle lounge chairs, which I'm sure you've all seen. I've gotten so many compliments on them. I absolutely love them. And my experience with Article could not have been easier. It was totally seamless from beginning to end. The delivery men were so funny and so helpful. They helped me move the chairs that I had there previously, and it was just so easy. And I love the style of everything that Article has. They have a curated assortment of mid-century modern, coastal, industrial, Scandi, and boho designs. So it makes furniture shopping really simple. And at the beach house, obviously it's coastal, but it's also a little bit mid-century modern, I would say. So there are a few pieces that I'm eyeing. I'm looking at the Oda Rattan bench because we have some other Rattan there. I think it would be perfect. So definitely go check out everything on Article's website. 
if you are doing a spring refresh or you're just looking for some different pieces at a really good price, they have got you and they are offering my listeners $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. So to claim this, visit article.com slash blonde and the discount code will be automatically applied at checkout. That's A-R-T-I-C-L-E dot com slash blonde for $50 off your first purchase of $100 or more. I heard you say that you created Lux Unfiltered, right, out of a need, and you kind of alluded to that earlier. Can you talk about that? Because I feel like every industry is kind of saturated at this point. So how are you like, I see a a space here, like something that isn't out there that I can't find. Mm -hmm. And how did you then decide to move forward with that? So Lux Unfiltered, that idea just stemmed from basically me having years of years of gifting from brands as an influencer and trying so many products out there. Obviously, there's a ton of self-tanning products, but I felt that there was a gap in luxury self-tanning specifically. And what I envisioned for the brand did not exist. I I personally feel like I have a knack for branding. I just kind of see the full picture before it's even in, in reality. And so I kind of visualized how I wanted the packaging, the formulation, how I wanted to position the brand. And so once I had all that lined up, it kind of clicked for me. And I'm the kind of person when everything lines up and feels right and it just like all the answers are coming quickly to me, I know it's the right fit for me. So I knew I wanted to create a self-tanner specifically because I love to tell this story because it's just so like typical Instagram world. But I used to edit my photos in a way that made me look tan. <laughs> and then people would always be like, how are you so tan? How are you so tan? And also, how are you editing your photos? And it was just funny because it was like the same answer. It was like, I'm not really that tan. It's just how I edit. And so I said to myself, like, why don't I create something that actually like gives you this color? And since I had tried so many products, I knew nothing existed that kind of emulated what I was trying to create. I felt like that was like, that was it for me. I just knew. So it started with the first product, number 32. And from there, I kind of mapped out what I saw for the brand and it just all fell into place. I knew I wanted it to be luxurious. I wanted it to be clean because I developed it while I was pregnant. So that just kind of happened organically. It wasn't really like part of the vision in the beginning. And now, thank God I did that because I feel like the way the world is today, like it's so important. We obviously are learning so much about products and beauty. And so I feel like it's really important to do that. But the priority shifted slightly when in development and then... I basically had mapped it out with my husband. He was an attorney at the time, practicing attorney full time. So he would do this on his like weekends and time off. And it was just really, really difficult to push forward when I was dealing with someone who had a full time job and I was on my own with this. So this is prior to us having a single employee. So it was literally just me. And so when we finally had everything lined up, we got a lab, we we got the domain name, everything kind of lined up. We felt like, okay, it's time to push go on this. And he had to quit his job because we needed him to be 100% dedicated and focused. And essentially, it was right after I had my daughter, we just went for it. And it was a huge risk. It was like, we just had a baby. We bought this house. (laughs) We wanted to launch a business. My husband quit his job. It was so many risks in the air. But we were just like, fuck it, let's just do it. We did it and we sold out first day. It was incredible. And so from there, we kind of could gauge like what the response was going to be. And since then, we haven't looked back. I've just continued developing and growing. And it's been amazing. Did you have a business plan, like a formal business plan going into it? Absolutely not. (laughs) I feel like everyone that I've had on my podcast who has a successful product has said the same thing. They're like, no, I didn't like Annie Lawless is coming to mind. She's like, 
same thing. Uh I saw a gap in the market. I was kind of doing it for fun, like no business plan, just Googled like how to make, have a green juice company or whatever. And then it was like this massive success. Exactly. I mean, I don't, I don't feel like it's pointless, but Mm -hmm. it was between me and my husband and we spent countless hours, 24 seven months and months and months talking about it. It's like, we were very aligned on the same page. We also had an understanding about who was handling what, and thankfully, he really complimented my skill set. So between the both of us, we were making sure everything was handled. Of course, we were learning as we were going, but I felt like we just kind of tackled it together and made it work. Mm-hmm. So we're a little bit more professional now. <laughs> <laughs> did you self-fund or did you guys have investors? No, we're still self-funded, actually. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. amazing. We we go back and forth on this a lot, but I feel like we're in a good place right now. So mm-hmm. we're, we're staying still. Were there any unexpected challenges? Like I'm sure that we as listeners could kind of anticipate some of them, but is there anything that people wouldn't necessarily think of when you're trying to start a brand? Definitely lots of challenges. I'd say majority of them are unexpected. (laughs) I think that, you know, we always try to do our due diligence and especially my husband as an attorney definitely is like making sure all of our lines and dots and checks or whatever it's called. (laughs) But I mean... We we did everything we thought was right. And then, of course, unexpected things like the pandemic happened shortly after we launched. And, you know, that's I feel like obviously we all experienced that. But things like that where you're just like, oh, my gosh, how are we ever going to recover from this? But surprisingly, I feel like what I've learned about myself in, in times like that is that I'm a very, I guess, moldable person that just goes with the flow. So I've been hit with challenges left and right. Basically, now with every single launch, a new challenge is presented and it's always something out of left field that I'm not expecting. And I've just I've just learned this about myself. Like I'm a very just let it roll off your shoulders and you'll figure out a solution. Just move forward. And I'm not the kind of person that dwells and overthinks. And I'm a very decisive person. So I feel like just kind of knowing what the outcome is and finding the solution and just staying focused and looking straight ahead is like the only way to be. I think you can get so obsessed and fixated and you know, there's like a whole world of people copying and knocking you off and there's just so much of that and it's like you could get so caught up in that and just obsess and hyper focus on it but I just cannot I've learned that it just doesn't accomplish anything so just staying focused on what your goal is is the only way to to go I've heard psychologists I think say that one of the qualities of the most successful people in the world are that they're very adaptable and they're kind of malleable and they do go with the flow. And it sounds like that's been a common theme. Yeah. Like you were talking about before with social media, you just kind of adapt and you're like, Mm -hmm. this is what it is. I saw you're doing subscription now as well. And you're like, if you want it, great. Like, but if you don't want to subscribe, like don't. But that's another example of you adapting to the current climate Uh with social media. And it sounds like, you know, doing that in your business as well has allowed you to just kind of roll with it and focus yeah. on growth. Yeah. Now there's always challenges and it's it's never easy, but I feel like someone has to have that attitude. And my husband is not that one. Really? He's the one that will sit there and obsess and I got to like nip it in the ass and just be like, it's time to move on. So mm-hmm. at least one of us is like that. Well, that's good. It sounds <laughs> like you guys balance each other because you probably yeah. need somebody like that who is, like you said, crossing the T's and dotting yeah, the I's there and you doing go. Kind of behind the yes. scenes, like businessy stuff. Yes. And then you can be more of the creative, yes. like 
kind of visionary of exactly. what you want the brand to be. So you have multiple brands. You also have tan lines. Yes. And you have two kids. And you're still somehow creating content all the time. How do you manage it all? This was like people's main question. Like, I know. how do you do it? Even Chelsea. No we both way. Work with Chelsea. Oh right? my God, I love She her. was like, how does she do it all? It's ridiculous. <laughs> she knows. Basically, I love to just tell people the very honest truth about this question. And it's, you know, number one above all is I have support. So between childcare, I have a nanny. I don't know why people are like weird and ashamed about that. I feel like any working parents duo needs help with their children. I can't just leave my two-year-old alone. So obviously childcare number one, I have a very supportive hands-on husband that enables me to be able to come to LA when I need to go for fittings, meetings, podcasts, whatever it might be. So it's nice to know that my kids are always in good hands, well taken care of and happy and safe. And that's all I really care about. So that to me frees up my mental capacity to take on everything else I need to do. And I feel like while I'm not the best multitasker, I feel like I can't really divide my attention among multiple things at once and give like a good answer to things. I feel like I work very efficiently and I'm very fast. So I can tackle a lot of stuff in a short amount of time if I'm able to focus and give 100% of my attention to it. So I just have learned to really prioritize my time. And essentially each week I have a day where I go to the office and I kind of work with the team. We do a lot of computer work, planning, emails, strategy, meetings and calls. And then I have other days where I'm home and it's more of like a go with the flow kind of day. And that's where the I usually create content and I document my day. If I have partnerships to film, I make sure to do it then. But it's like I have a dedicated filming day. And then the rest of the week is just depending on which brand needs me. If I need to be on mom duty, on mom duty days, there's like absolutely no business. I cannot function with my kids yelling in my ear. It's just not, (laughs) it's not productive. It makes no sense to me. So on mom duty days, I'm absolutely checked out. So I just go between who needs me the most and it's a day by day kind of thing. And that's the only way to do it. So I'm never doing all of it at once. There's no way. It's just physically impossible to give 100% to all these things. But I feel like I make a point to prioritize the things that are really important to me. So for me, like even if I've worked a really long day, I personally really prioritize cooking dinner for my family. So when I come home, I make a point to come home an hour earlier than I need to start cooking so I can like unwind, get my sweatpants on, light my candle, pour a glass of wine, get the playlist queued up (laughs) and just set myself up. So that way the next part of the day, even though it's tiring and sometimes I'm not really in the mood, I'm just lining it up so that it's the most enjoyable it can be. So Mm -hmm. I really do prioritize cooking, my household, my kids, my business, my content. Like those five things really like rule my life. And I feel like I focus on that majority of the time. And then the rest of everything, it's like whenever I can fit it in. Mm -hmm. So I don't have the best social life. (laughs) I don't have the most vacations or anything like that. But it's like when I when I really feel like I want that, I'll find time for it. Mm -hmm. This is what I aspire to. I mean, it kind of sounds like you block your time. Yeah. And I remember when Mariana Hewitt, I think. She was on, yeah, when she was on my podcast, she was talking about time blocking because she's the same. You know, she's a content creator. She's a business owner, CEO. Like she wears a lot of different hats as well. And she has a podcast. I'm like, how can you even like, I don't know how you can podcast and do anything else. Like that always (laughs) blows my mind. But she was like, yeah, you know, I have one day for filming content, one day for podcasting, one or two days for the brands, like whatever it is. I have a hard time time with that because I 
I don't know. This has been like my plan for two years to start doing this. Yeah. And I just can't implement it. I don't know why. It's hard, it's hard because like scheduling and other mm-hmm. people's schedules mm-hmm. and the uh, other people's schedule thing really gets me. Yeah. That's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Now that we have a team, I feel like we've now gone through two years of like annual reviews and everyone's review for me is like, we would love if you could be in the office like on a consistent day. So that way we know when we can ask questions and get answers on things. And it's like, I feel bad because obviously they're looking to me to execute and I don't want to hold up anything, but it's really difficult obviously when you are a content creator and sometimes deadlines change or, you know, the weather sucks. You can't shoot this day. So you've got to shoot a different day. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so many factors that it's really hard to stick to a schedule. That's why I don't have a schedule, but I Mm -hmm. know that I have dedicated days for certain things. So Mm -hmm. it's the only way I can operate. Mm -hmm. I like it. It's like a little bit structured, Uh but also still adaptable, which is like the whole thing of this. Yes. How do you have boundaries with all of these things going on in your life? Like when you go home and you're cooking dinner, is it like phone off and away? Because this is another thing I struggle with. That's also like my time. I'm like, this is cathartic. I like to pick a recipe or come up with a recipe Mm -hmm. and have that time. But then I get that thought, like even last night, I'm like, should I be filming this? I know. (laughs) And how do you turn that off? That's the part that I'm struggling with the most right now is I'm torn between wanting to just be in the moment with my kids. Like, it's so much fun. My kids are at a fun age where they want to be in the kitchen helping. And I love nothing more than to have them be with me and, like, make these memories. But at the same time, I'm like, well, this is valuable content as well. Mm -hmm. So then you're like, well, am I really picking Instagram over my kids? But then (laughs) you're like, well, there's other things we'll do with the kids that don't take away from the other things. So Mm -hmm. it depends on the day for me. Again, really (laughs) adaptable depending on my kids' moods and how hungry everyone is. But... I typically like to make cooking like my time. So in a way, it's like that is my ritual because I don't have much like relaxing ritual during the day. So when I come home from work and I like to have my music and my setup and everything, I I tend to film it more than I do enjoy it with my family. But once the meal served, the phone goes away. Mm -hmm. But I feel like it's really relaxing for me to cook and enjoy myself and also document at the same time. The documenting, I don't do the best job documenting my meals, but Mm -hmm. I feel like it gets the job done for what everyone is wanting from me. So I don't feel super pressured to make it perfect. It's not like I'm taking, I'm not holding up the meal by taking a couple of videos as I go. Mm -hmm. Um, But the boundary thing is really hard because I feel like what's shifted a lot for me in the years is I used to be super in the moment when I post my stories. Like I would be at a, I don't even know how I did this. I would be at events that are so loud (laughs) and I'd be tagging people and sharing my location and like posting and there's filters and so much going on. (laughs) And I'd write a whole thing over it. And I'm like, now if I'm like somewhere and I take a photo of my food, I'm like, I can't touch it. I can't look at it till I get Mm -hmm. home. I need peace and quiet. I need to like think about it. It's just like, what has happened to me? It's not even like I'm doing anything to it. I just need peace and quiet to like hit post. Mm -hmm. And so now I kind of like log my day. And then typically at the end of the day, I'll just kind of post it all once. So it doesn't feel like I'm on my phone like all day long. It feels Mm -hmm. like I take it out like a normal person would if they have a kid or they're doing something exciting, taking a couple snaps and you put it away. It's not like I stare at my phone all day. I definitely don't feel like I'm as engaged in my DMs as I used to be either because that Mm -hmm. I used to spend hours and this is prior to kids. I'd be like, okay, two hours at the end of the day, I'm just going to sit here and answer everyone's questions and and converse with everybody. And I loved that. But now it's just unrealistic. Mm -hmm. So that's a boundary I had to set. And I feel like it pissed people off and they probably feel like I'm less approachable now. But I'm also like, look, I have two kids. Like you have to have some sense of understanding here. Yeah. 
So I don't know. Like sometimes I feel like I just have forced the issue of having boundaries and it doesn't necessarily feel good a lot of the time because you feel like you're disappointing people or letting them down or sometimes you feel misunderstood because they don't get it. And that's something I've had to work with with my in myself is just kind of getting over that, realizing like there's more important things than me documenting something than, you know, my kids. So, yeah, just kind of dealing with that internally. It's hard, though, because I feel like although I agree, like the kind of shift towards video, I think, is better in some ways. Yeah. I feel like it also added this pressure to document everything you're doing as a content creator and probably for people who aren't content creators professionally either but at the end of the day like social media is not going anywhere and so I think we all have to figure out how to enforce these boundaries because we live in this urgency culture this accessible culture Mm -hmm. where you know people need us all the time or want to access us all the time and it's hard not to want to deliver deliver on that yeah exactly but I mean I think it's refreshing to hear that you struggle with it and it's something that you do kind of have to like gauge every day and that you don't just have it all figured out. (laughs) No, absolutely not. You know, what's what makes you feel even like shittier is when you're with other content creators Mm -hmm. and then you're like when I go on on vacations with my friends and they're all kid free and they're just documenting and living their best (laughs) lives, posting those beautiful photos. And I'm over there like trying desperately to get like one (laughs) decent photo without my kids screaming or throwing a tantrum or hanging all over me. And it's like, that's when you really start to realize like how much it consumes you. Mm-hmm. And I had that experience happen to me last year on a trip, a friend's trip. And it was so great. But I realized in that trip, like, wow, like having kids changes a lot. Just your priorities and your time and how you value things. It's just it changes everything. And I feel like that probably is the biggest thing that's helped me like move forward from feeling all this like weird, like identity crisis thing with Instagram. Mm-hmm. I think it's just kind of like it is literally an app and who cares mm-hmm. if I'll, if I'm there, I'm there. If I'm not. Yeah. Well, I feel like when you don't have kids, your world revolves around yourself. Yes. And when you have kids, that's transferred to them. Of I course, don't have yeah. kids, but that's yeah. what I hear from people who do. And I mean, I think that that shift is something that you can't even really fathom until it happens to yeah. you and until you have yeah. kids. But I think that it takes away some of this selfish self-centeredness that we all have it's not a bad thing it's just when you are all you have you're your own you're your whole world and so it's easy to obsess about everything having to do with you yourself and you I was gonna say me myself and you yourself (laughs) you guys know what I mean yes yes I feel like it kind of unburdens a lot of that because then you're focused on right something like a bigger picture something more meaningful I guess yeah yeah As I sit here recording this, it is currently 7.44 in the morning. I am sitting here post-meditation, sipping on my AG1 from Athletic Greens. I have been doing this for so long, I feel like, that I don't even think about it anymore. I come down when I wake up. I make my Athletic Greens, and it's just become kind of ingrained into my morning routine. And it's this micro habit. You know, I love micro habits that affect my life in so many different ways. And that's how I feel about taking AG1. So I started taking it a couple years ago for my gut health. I don't know if many people know this, but it was actually formulated 
because the founder was having terrible gut issues, was taking tons of supplements and nothing was working. So it can be really effective for that. That's why I started taking it, but it just has so many other benefits. And I love the convenience. I mean, it really makes it so that I don't have to be taking so many separate supplements, which I just do not like to do. It's made with 75 super high quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients that deliver benefits like mood, immune system, and sleep support, sustained energy, and so much more. And like I said, it's the first thing that I do in the morning before I have my matcha. That's probably why I sound kind of sleepy right now because I haven't had any caffeine, but I do get this little energy buds from the AG1 as well. So I just mix one scoop with about eight ounces of water, shake it up. It tastes sort of like kind of sweet pineapple vanilla, but not overly sweet. Like it's really a flavor that I have come to crave in the morning. So if you want to take ownership of your health, today is a good time to start. Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash blondefiles. Okay. So what's like your morning and nighttime routine? Oh if you have God. one. <laughs> you don't want to know my routine. It's not inspiring at all. I always like people like Mariana. Mm-hmm. I'm like, how? I mean, I know how, but it's like I cannot sacrifice my sleep for even one second of mm-hmm. like I don't know, meditation mm-hmm. or journaling yeah. or matcha or hot water. Like, it's not <laughs> happening for me. I am like in survival mode in the morning. My kids get up and it's like, how quickly can I get my teeth brushed, my Augustina Spader lotion on, <laughs> my drops, my bronzing drops on and like get them fed. That is like it. It is not relaxing, motivational, inspiring, nothing. So essentially my routine sucks. But I feel <laughs> like I make up for it in other ways throughout the day mm-hmm. and the week. And I feel like I... There's something about when you have a kid, they tell you this term like you're overstimulated all the time and like Mm -hmm. babies get super overly emotional and like just too much chaos. And I feel like my husband and I were obsessed with saying our babies were overstimulated because people would always like be chaotic around our kids. And we always would like make our house so chill and zen. And I feel like that is now transferred over to me as a person. And I no longer refer to my kids as overstimulated. I feel like I get overstimulated. And so to me, like I need moments throughout the day where it's just I'm like with my own thoughts in silence, no interruptions. And I feel like that is where I make up for not having like this really meaningful morning routine. Even at night, as much as like that's my opportunity to do some kind of routine, I think like my skincare routine makes me feel very, you know, calm and relaxed and it's very rewarding. I think, you know, having like a really nice bed to get into is kind of where I make up for it and just allowing myself to work in peace and quiet and have adult conversations like those kind of things kind of make up for me not having these like really methodical routines that I hear all over Instagram. (laughs) I have to say that like every time I see someone's like elaborate routine and the journaling and all that, I'm like, I I can't. I literally can't even like open my phone without my kids screaming. So like now call me in like 10 years. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people in the audience listening right now appreciate that though. But I feel like even the people who post those, because I have always been, I'm not really like rigid about my morning routine, but I've always just like gotten up a half hour early because I like to have my matcha and I like to do like a little meditation. But even the people who post about it 
are not doing it every single day. Right. Like, I think right. people listening should know that. And when they're posting about it, they're sitting there filming it. So like how uh-huh, uh-huh. you're not doing it <laughs> in the moment. Right. Really is right. it if you're like thinking about the content. But mm-hmm. I think that's like a really practical approach. Like you're finding little windows in your day yes. where you can. And I think that's the reality for most people. Yeah. I mean, I think that if like we we rewounded a few years prior to kids and like all of this was out there, I feel like Instagram didn't really offer that. Like at least content mm-hmm. creators that I followed didn't really showcase things like this. I feel like there would be a point in time where I definitely would have adapted to some of that and maybe it would have carried over to now. And maybe I would have been a little bit more sane. <laughs> But I didn't. And so now I just feel like it's just not like also it's just not my personality. I feel like I'm a very like go, go, go kind of person. And I almost feel better when I'm like more so like moving and thinking and stimulating my brain first thing than if I stand still. So Mm -hmm. I do feel like I found a way to make it work for myself. So I don't feel like burnt out or anything. Mm -hmm. I can relate to that. I feel like I go through phases where I'm super energetic and productive in the morning and I wake up and I have ideas and I want to go do them. I don't want to sit there Mm -hmm. and write in my journal and sit in silence for 20 minutes because it's like, I don't know, I just want to like go with that momentum. And I went through a phase like last summer where I was like that and I would get up at 630 or whenever I woke up and just go straight to work for a few hours Mm -hmm. till like 1030 or 11. And then I would take a break and I was like, whoa. Yeah. really productive. Yeah. I mean, different things work for different people. So Definitely. if anybody listening doesn't have like a morning routine, don't feel bad. <laughs> don't feel bad. <laughs> Not alone. Okay. You mentioned your skincare routine. So obviously yes. we have to talk about that. Your skin is amazing. Thank you. What's your secret? Well, I definitely feel like over the years, I would say the pandemic like really helped my skin because obviously I wasn't wearing makeup. I think that prior to that, going to events all the time and just shooting all the time, it was just a lot on my face. And mm-hmm. not that my skin was ever necessarily really that, that bad. I just feel like the complexion that I always wanted that I would see, like, let's just say on TV, which it's probably not even real at that point. <laughs> that was like what I always aspired to. And I feel like I finally achieved that once I stopped wearing all this like heavy makeup and just kind of let my skin breathe. But I actually have come to the realization that I have naturally dry skin and soap was really drying out my skin even further. So I stopped using like any sort of cleansing like soaps on my face. I use cleansing balms if I do wear any makeup. But Essentially, my skincare routine in the morning is so incredibly simple. I rinse my face with cold water and I just pat it dry, like no product. I then use the Augustinus Bader Rich Cream and then let that sit for maybe two minutes. And then like every other day or every two days, I'll use the Lux Unfiltered Bronzing Drops. That's like my holy grail because I feel like not only does it give me color, it's it's so hydrating. My skin is like glowing. I feel like it's like that glass look. So I just feel like super confident in my skin to not wear makeup when I have that. So I do that in the morning. And then after that, I'll do like eyebrows, a little like cheek bronzer, blush and lip balm. And that's like it. And then at night to wash off my face, I use like a micellar water. I use Bioderma, remove all like the eyebrow stuff, any like makeup. And then I rinse again my face with water. If I use like a foundation, I'll go in with cleansing balm. But if I don't have actual like face makeup on, which is 99% of the time, I just rinse with water after the micellar water. Augustinus Beta Rich Cream again. And then I don't do the drops at night because I feel like when I sleep, like I don't know if I'm drooling or like (laughs) creasing my face. Like I just don't want to like mess Mm -hmm. with that. So I just sleep with that and I like slather on the lip balm and wake up and I feel like my skin is pretty like good to go. But we just start it all over again every day. 
Do you like the Augustina Spatter cleansing balm? Is that the one that you use? So I I do have that. I use that. I love, I love the Elemis one more. The Augustina one, one I feel like is really good, but it leaves my skin like squeaky clean. Mm. So sometimes like if I have heavy, heavy shoot makeup days, like I think I'll go in with that. But then mm. typically I like the Elemis one. I feel like it's just like the perfect amount of richness and thickness and it leaves my skin more hydrated. Mm-hmm. So just kind of bounce between That's the two. That's interesting. That's a good point. What else was I going to say? Oh, that's like kind of a hot tip for not putting the tanning drops on your face at night. I yeah. feel like a lot of people think do it at night after right. you do your skincare routine. Mm-hmm. But that's a really good yes. <laughs> point actually yes. about like drooling uh-huh. or sleeping on your side. Yeah. Or like I, yeah. sometimes I sleep on my hands. Right. right. Sometimes I've actually gotten like sprayed hands and woken up and had oh my hands. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm like a wild sleeper. So I just feel like it makes more sense in the morning. And a lot of people... Or like, well, don't you feel like you're just washing it off at night, which you are a little bit. Like, I feel like you definitely are washing it off a little bit. But that's why like, I just reapply in like two days. I feel mm-hmm. like it's such an easy product because it's not like super extreme. So if I work it in every two days or whatever. It's like I feel like I'm just maintaining like a really good color. Mm-hmm. Not too much. And then outside of those routines, I saw you posted today. You were like, well, my Botox only lasts a month oh my or God. something. Yes. That's happening to me, too. And I know there was a tiny study. I don't even know if you could call it that because it was like 45 people. I don't know if you oh, saw no, this. I did not. Whoever ran this study, I think it was one doctor, found that people's Botox was wearing off after COVID oh my or after gosh. the vaccine. Or maybe it was after both. I don't remember. Right. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but I feel like also... It's just kind of an age thing and a metabolism thing, and it depends on your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. But what else do you like to do besides Botox? So I do a little lip filler in my top lip. I feel like I have a pretty plump bottom lip, but my top has always just been a little like limpy next to that. So I just like to do a little bit of that. And that's it. Like I'll do a hydrofacial every few months, like when I can fit it in or when I come to LA and I have time. I don't really do anything else. I've like thought about doing like the jawline masseter Botox, like the thing. You don't need it. <laughs> okay. Just because, I'm like, let me do my assessment. Yeah. This is my favorite thing. You don't need I it. I wish someone would just stare at me and be like, here's all the things you should do. But, like, you don't need anything. My Botox lady like is so conservative, which I love her for. But mm-hmm. she's always like, no, 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 no. If you do this, then you have to do this. Then you have to do this. So it's mm-hmm. like, she's it's like, like it's whack-a-mole. a whack Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. I mean, I, I feel like I'll age gracefully because I take precaution. I take good care of my skin. Mm-hmm. I My mom has incredible skin. Like, better than my skin mm-hmm. I'm like how are you this age she's 54 I think and has no wrinkles I'm like wow. I have more wrinkles than you <laughs> but anyways yeah I don't do anything else and I feel like I'm open to it I'm always like what else can I do mm-hmm. let's have some fun but no one <laughs> wants to do anything to my face so I don't know <laughs> take that as a compliment that's a good thing that you're not walking in there like oh we should like yeah, get this yeah yeah no you don't need it we were talking before we started recording about doing your boobs. Yes. A lot of people in the Q&A asked about this. And I was like, I can't wait to talk about this because you guys know I got mine done in July and I can't stop talking about it. (laughs) And you're going to my doctor. So people were asking what you decided on. Can you give them the exclusive? So I do want to say that when I 
talked about this. Like I was considering it. I've been very like open about it. A lot of people told me to talk to you about this and oh. listen to your podcast. And so of course I like went down the rabbit hole. Oh, thank you. And I of course like stalked you and like zoomed in <laughs> on your boobs and did all that stuff. I gotta show you the real before and afters. You're gonna be like, what? Oh the ones I can't post. That's exciting. <laughs> so then I was like, okay, because I was told a couple tips, like you know, interview multiple doctors, and I was. It's really struggling to find a handful to to meet with. But then I decided I'm like going to abandon that entirely when I saw your doctor. And mm-hmm. I was like, I love him. He's great. I loved his like demeanor. He understood me. And I felt like I don't even need to meet with anyone else. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why. Why complicate the decision? But I essentially was on the fence because... I wanted a boob job since I was a kid, and I'm so glad I didn't act on that then because I feel like I did not know what I was doing, what I wanted. I feel like also now that I've had two kids, like let my body kind of go through some changes, but I feel like I really like I'm at a good place to do it now. And I feel like I know exactly what I want. I know like what my style is, how I like to dress. And so I've decided to go with silicone implants and I'm going to go to your doctor. I forget his name. Robert Cohen. Robert Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> <laughs> Love him. So yeah, I'm hoping to do it kind of soon because what I was hoping for is to get it done in the winter and mm-hmm. then like let it recover, heal everything and be kind of ready for summer. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go small. I feel like for me naturally, like I have a small frame and when we were doing all the fun trying on sizes things, like he first immediately puts in 200 cc. Mm-hmm. And I knew in my head, I was like, no, I think it's going to be too big for me. And he's like, well, let's just start here. Everyone usually starts here. Mm-hmm. And he put them in before I even looked in the mirror. He's like, oh, my goodness, your, your <laughs> frame is misleading. Like, take these out. They're too big. Because I think he really understood, like, what I was trying to achieve. So I was yeah. like, okay. I, I like that he said that automatically without trying to, like, push me into mm-hmm. that. Because he was saying a lot of women, like, wish they go bigger. And I was like, honestly. Yeah. And yeah. I'm like, I don't think real. that'll be, I don't think that's, that's me. <laughs> so I don't think I'm worried about that. But, but yeah, I'm really excited. I left, I walked in there unsure if it was going to happen. I was like 50 50. This mm-hmm. could be great. And I want to do it. Or I could just walk out there being like, you know what? Never mind. And I walked out of there being like, when can I get this done? Yes. Like, I was excited. He really just validated all the reasons I wanted to do it. He put my mind at ease about so many things that I was concerned about. So yeah, I'm super excited. I can't wait to have new boobs. He's amazing. And I love that he's so laser focused. Like he just, I wanted somebody who just does boobs like day in, day out. Uh He's that guy. And he's so, he's just, I mean, we could sing his praises this whole time. But yeah, I remember like when I went for my consult, having not met him, I don't think, or maybe we did a FaceTime before. I can't remember. But I walked in there and I had my reference picture of what I wanted. And he was like, so this is what I'm thinking. He pulled up the exact picture. Oh and gosh. I was like, yes. And that's when I was same as yes. you. I was like, when can we do this? Right. Let's fucking right. go. <laughs> yes, I know. I've heard so many horror stories of like doctors that try to like change what you're trying to go for because mm-hmm. they feel like they know best for your frame, which I mean, I understand your professional opinion is means something, but at the end of the day, it's still like my body and like what mm-hmm. I want to feel comfortable in and just how I dress too. I'm like, I yes. just know exactly what I need yeah. a little bit of and just let's leave it at that. That's so. how I was. And I feel like you like to wear kind of like loose, flowy, yeah, like yeah. low cut things. That's mm-hmm. how I am like and fashiony things yeah. where you don't wear a bra. And I didn't want to look like a fucking like Tatiana. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And I did 210 and 230, but it's like so body dependent. So anybody listening, people always ask like what CCs I did. And I was like, I'll tell you. Right. But it can look totally different on one person than another. My friend got two 30s and she's tiny. Mm -hmm. 
she didn't have any breast tissue really to start with. And okay. so they're small. They're right. like a B and I had breast tissue. So it's like a C on me because uh-huh. I like filled it out. But yeah, he, we're we're going somewhere between 150 and 170. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mean, he didn't even have 150s for me to try. So he, <laughs> he was like, here's the 200. And he like smashed it in a little bit. He's like, we're going to go medium profile. So they're uh-huh. not so pointy. Yes. And like, this is what it'll look like. And I loved just like the silhouette from the front. I feel mm-hmm. like it gave me a little bit more of like a waistline. And then just, for, of course, like fills in a little bit more in the front, which is ideal. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm very excited. I can't. I'm so excited for you. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> that sound weird? Yeah, he's amazing. That'll look great. I feel like it's model boobs, like 170s, yeah. 200s, like yeah. totally natural. Right. It'll right. look amazing. Okay, so we have some listener questions. That was actually one of them. Okay. But since we're talking about this stuff, somebody asked, you seem to just be so confident and have a I don't give a fuck attitude. Is that accurate? And how do you maintain that? Okay. Well, <laughs> I feel like there's a little bit of a misconception about that just because there's a difference between having confidence and actually not caring about things. And I don't know if it's just like internet trolls that love to spin the narrative and take things out of context. But for me personally, like it's never been about not caring. It's just about feeling really comfortable and confident in your choices and what you're doing and standing behind that. And I think that that's always been my approach just to life in general. Because I'm a very decisive person, I know immediately when I don't like something or when I do like something, it doesn't take me very long to like know where I stand about things. And so I've just always been really open about that on Instagram. And I feel like people that want to judge me for certain things or think that some things are I don't know, ugly or whatever, you know, like I just that never has affected me. I don't know if it's just because I have thick skin from years of being on the Internet and like subjecting my life to anyone who wants to see it or if it's truly just like a confidence that I have in me. But it's just never like hurt my feelings. I've never taken it to heart because like I am happy with myself and I feel like even if if I have flaws to other people, like to me, like they're not ones that bother me, like at my boob job consult, he Mm -hmm. was like, what are we thinking with the nipple area? Do you want to change? I was like, honestly, it's never bothered me. So if you feel like something needs to change, like, let me know. But honestly, I'm happy with it. Mm-hmm. So like some flaws, you know, you see flaws like other you see flaws in other people that maybe they don't see in themselves. And I just feel like if you're as long as it's not like harming other people and it's like a bad quality, I feel like just like feel good about yourself and like don't compare and I don't know all that stuff combined. I feel like has led me to have this really thick skin and this attitude. But I also think back to when I was in high school and I mean, I was bullied. I was bullied hard and I was in like physical fist fights. I was always in detention because I was defending myself. Like I was always, always picked on. And I think that that's also kind of like just made me have this like thick skin where I'm like, okay, I got to like not let other people's outside opinions affect me so much because it's just it's obviously a reflection on them. And my mom raised me with tough love. Like it was never, we were never like, like a sensitive lovey-dovey household. So Mm -hmm. I feel like all of this combined has like led me to this point. I'm also married to someone who's not super like sensitive. Mm -hmm. And so I've just surrounded myself, I think, with like really tough people and like strong personalities. And I think that that's also a contributor to it all. But Mm -hmm. I think it's, if I had to like say one thing about it, I would say it's mostly about just feeling comfortable in your own skin and confident in your choices. And that's ultimately what that is. Mm -hmm. I love that. I guess to that point, do you ever struggle with self-doubt? You've said that you're a very 
decisive person, but do you ever doubt yourself yeah, in those I mean, decisions? I think that I doubt myself most of the time with social media stuff, mm-hmm. more so recently than like before. I feel like before it was so just like anything goes on Instagram. And I feel like it's just changed. Like the climate of everything has changed. And like we know the sensitive culture that we're in and it's just it's a different place. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's like where I struggle the most because where I used to have fun and just like speak freely and, you know, poke fun at things. Like I felt like I had such a fun, like maybe twisted sense of humor. And now I feel like I have to hold back on that because I don't want to I don't my intention is never to offend anybody, but it becomes so offensive that you are quote unquote canceled. And I do not believe in that. Mm -hmm. I have like a very strong opinion about that. And I feel like I'm just not trying to put myself in a position where I'm going to disrupt the peace that I have in my life. And so to me, it's just not worth it. So a lot of times like when I'm posting, I'll just doubt myself because I'm like, do I really want to share this? Do I really need to share this? Or like even the opposite, like, like I just, I just don't know like sometimes how much is too much and at what point does my life become unrelatable to other people that it's offensive to them? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I just have evolved so much in my life. And I feel like my followers have been with me since the beginning. So I would hope, my hope would be is that like people followed me from the beginning. They saw like how hard I had to work to get to this point. It wasn't handed to me and it wasn't overnight by any means. So it's like, I would, if I was watching me, I'd be like proud of me. Mm-hmm. And I wish that people saw that. But a lot yeah. of people have resentment and then you feel like, oh shit, like, I can't like not that I'm flaunting, but it's like you just can't show everything anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's where I start doubting myself where it's like, am I really being me if I can't show my full self? Mm -hmm. So I get that. I was thinking about that actually this past weekend. And I was thinking about how like the last, I don't know, year or two, I kind of like scaled back in what I was posting because I didn't want to offend people and I'm like if I buy something like yeah I don't want to post it to brag but people ask and like some people are interested but I wouldn't do it because I don't want to offend people who can't and then I was Uh like you know what people know what my life is they can choose to follow me or not exactly and I was like this year I actually don't give a fuck like I'm sorry I don't want to offend anybody but I don't know it's just something I've been thinking about a lot okay (laughs) let's do some rapid fire (laughs) we'll pivot from that gotta talk about tanning so tanning tips to get the back by yourself. <laughs> oh, my gosh. OK, so if you're going to do your back, I would say use a product like number 32 that's gradual just because it's easy. And I mm-hmm. feel like it's like applying a regular lotion. So when you use a regular lotion, you just kind of do like that weird maneuver where you do like the over the shoulder, then mm-hmm. the under the shoulder. And I feel like there's no real need to get like the entire thing because it just kind of meets naturally in the middle. But if you're doing like a, a tanning mousse, I wouldn't advise that. I would say get mm-hmm. some help. You'll have that like white <laughs> patch in the yes. middle of your shoulder yes. blades. <laughs> do you like using a mitt with your product? I do. We actually have a mitt and it's like great because it's like microfiber and it has a little like ribbed wrist. So it doesn't like go sliding around, which I think is really crucial. Amazing. That's key. I actually have a good tip for hands because okay. I know that's like a challenge for people. Yes. We have this body brush. And I've recently discovered this when we started using our, we're developing our mousse and we were having like really hard time blending the hand. What I take now is number 32, the gradual, and I put it on our body brush. It's like a big fat kabuki brush brush for the body. And I'll just apply it on my hands right before bed and just brush it onto my hand and sleep with it only on the top of the hand and then go right to sleep. Because obviously if you get water on your hands, you're going to mess it up. So it's like after you've brushed your teeth and you're ready for bed, like apply it really quick. 
And then in the morning, it's like your hands are perfectly tanned and there's like no weird creases and it's not as drastic as the mousse on your arm. So it's like naturally a little bit lighter, which I think is nice. I got to get that. What are the specifics to always look tan? Like, do you use the number 32 every day in your moisturizer? Do you only tan sometimes like for events or what's your routine? So I like to use number 32 like twice a week just Mm -hmm. to maintain color. But since now we have the tanning mousse, like I typically use the mousse more so for for like an event or a shoot or something. I don't typically do it like on a weekly basis. But because it's winter and I'm so pale right now, (laughs) I'll do that. And then I'll like top up my tan with 32. Mm -hmm. That's like my winter routine now. And I alternate like number 32 one night and then I'll do my moisturizer with number 14 the next night and just kind of bounce back and forth. And then when it's like fading away, I do a fresh coat and start the whole thing all over again. But the face drops is like never ending. It's like a definite like two to three times per week for me, like forever, even in the summer. And then, yeah, like the, just for events, if I need a deep, deep color, I do the the mousse and I feel like I sleep in it. So it's like super dark in the morning and then I shower and it's great. It's like beautiful color. What's your trick for getting old tan off? Like if you're doing it a few times a week and you said you're kind of like reapplying, is there yes. a point where you're scrubbing everything off and then... Yeah, I typically like I feel like you can kind of tell when like that base is starting to kind of fade away Mm -hmm. in like those patchy areas. So then I I use a scrub and we have a scrub and it's Mm -hmm. like a nice sugar scrub. So it's not like, yeah, yeah, it's just not it's like not abrasive and it's like the perfect consistency and it leaves your skin like so soft. So I go in, I use that more so for like behind the butt cheeks like under the butt cheeks like in that area Mm -hmm. I feel like my butt has never been softer it's like baby's butt so I use it for (laughs) there the knees the ankles the elbows the wrists like all that stuff and it comes right off I saw a TikTok a long time ago (laughs) I don't know if you saw this I think it went like very viral but she was like my toxic trait is thinking this looks better than real skin and it was like her spray tan or self tanner on day like 10 when it's like you look oh, like you have some God. kind of skin disease. disease and I was yes. like, that's me. Like, I'd rather have that than be pale. Yes, yes. <laughs> like, just let it. Like, and, But I was I like, know. how do you get that off? Like, so that you can do a fresh one and right, be tanned right, all the right. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you use, like, oils and stuff, it'll mm-hmm. break down eventually. We have a body, a shower yeah, oil. But too. it's like, so it doesn't, good. like, dilute or, like, take off the, the tan. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, I feel like in, this, in the hot shower, if you needed to, like, you could break it down a mm-hmm. bit. I love that oil. Yeah, me so too. good. Or like adding yeah. some in the bath. Yeah. Amazing. Yes. Okay. Well, I like to ask my guests one thing we should stop doing and one thing we should start doing. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. One thing we should stop doing. We should stop trying to cancel people. <laughs> Very Love much it. into that. And we should start. I feel like we should start. Oh my gosh. Is this supposed to be like really philosophical? Anything. It could okay. be like start tanning or. <laughs> Anything you want. Okay. I feel like we just need to really start keeping our skin hydrated. And I'm not going to be a shameless plug and just say like tanning products to hydrate your skin. But I feel like you have to hydrate your skin to stay looking youthful and young. Do you have makeup on right now or is that just the oil? I have bronzer on. Okay. And I have mascara and I have my eyebrows and my lip balm. But nothing on the skin. Sold. I am sold. (laughs) (laughs) Tell everybody where they can find you. You can find me on Instagram at Sivan Ayla. And my brands are Lux Unfiltered and Tan Lines. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you liked it, and if you like the show in general, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It goes a long way. And it's actually the best way to support the show. 
Also, if you want to see more about each episode, you can head over to the Blonde Files podcast on Instagram. You can go to ariellaurie.com. And I'm always posting about each episode over on my personal page at Lori. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.